This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, March 22nd. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Telluride Fire Pilots AI Fire Detection Program. Senator Hickenlooper reflects on the new Congress. Community rallies for climate justice. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, Ophir Road closed on Wednesday afternoon for avalanche mitigation and snow removal. There is no set time for reopening. Up-to-date information will be available on the San Miguel County and the Town of Ophir websites. KOTO will update listeners as more information is available. Come summer, the Telluride Fire Protection District plans to use AI, or artificial intelligence, to identify and detect early wildfire. I'm proud to present this rollout with our partners, San Miguel Power Association. This new technology in early fire protection recognition, um, the artificial intelligence that it brings, the situational awareness that brings telemetry, um, target targeting locations, monitoring progress from a single tree strike, um, and what that brings to differentiating from construction site dust to a real fire to what we call the Telluride water dogs or vapor clouds. That's Telluride Fire Chief John Bennett at a press conference on Wednesday. The Fire Protection District is partnering with San Miguel Power Association and Pano AI, a California-based company using artificial intelligence to help detect wildfires. According to Arvind Satcham, Chief Commercial Officer at Pano AI, it's a mission that hits close to home. Living in uh, San Francisco, we saw the major incidents in 2018, 2020. Uh, I also had friends and family that were impacted, evacuated on beaches in the 2020 wildfire incidents or bushfire incidents in Australia. And so if you look at that backdrop, I think one of the things we wanted to understand is how is technology being applied today? Can it be a force multiplier? And if so, what are the gaps and what needs to be addressed to do this? And that's the mission that we have as a company. Every day we wake up and our goal is how do we stop the spread of catastrophic wildfires and then over time, climate disasters. Pano AI currently has cameras in six states in the United States and several in Australia. In Colorado, the company works with the U.S. Forest Service, Pitkin and Boulder Counties, the City of Aspen and the Aspen Fire Department. To identify fire, Pano AI sets up cameras throughout the region. Satnam acknowledges using cameras to detect wildfire isn't a new concept. But he says other systems will use one fixed camera that can be moved or zoomed in in the case of a fire. In our setup, we have two cameras, not one. They're ultra high definition. They're continuously rotating and they're doing a full rotation each minute. What that allows us to do is to ensure that we look at the entire perimeter, the 360 degree perimeter, and give you that data at your fingertips. Second, he says they use a smoke detection algorithm to help detect smoke as soon as it emerges. And detecting smoke 10, 15 miles away in tricky environmental conditions is a hard problem. And I'd be the first to admit that, right? And we've been training our model with over 300 million uh, of historical images, and we're continuously training in all of our deployments. But still, Pano AI backs up the artificial intelligent with the human element. We have a staffed intelligence center. So this is our team who are, one, 
they get notified of alerts, and the first thing that they do is they say, is that smoke, or is that a farmer with a tractor going down a hill kicking up a dust cloud? Or is that a geyser, right? We want to make sure that when we notify you, we avoid noise. According to Pano AI, with GPS location, they're able to pinpoint the location of a wildfire within several hundred feet. Satyam points to an incident they identified in Montana. Where we picked up an incident 13 miles away, and the town of Big Sky was uh, down in the valley, and this was over two ridges, and we saw it, we sent it over to the fire department, they immediately saw it and said, hey, that's a high rate of spread incident, and they sent it over to Bozeman, accelerated aerial dispatch, the incident was contained to 74 acres. These are classic incidents that would go into hundreds, if not thousands of acres. When it comes to San Miguel County, Bennett says the Fire Protection District will begin the project on the east end of the county, setting up cameras on four already existing structures. Top of lift 14, Greyhead, uh, 145, 62 corner, and then the big Christmas tree at the top of 62. He says with the anticipated success of the program, they'd like to extend cameras west into the Uncompagre Plateau, potentially on BLM land and towards Trout Lake. Utilizing this artificial intelligence with an eye at, at vantage point, playing that against the FPC assets, like their multi-mission aircraft, um, the helicopter that San Miguel County Sheriff has access to, um, and utilizing those tools to better not only reduce the risk profile of putting our firefighters in the field and our, our mutual aid partners, but also um, you know, better preparing our residents for evacuation planning, um, better ingress, egress, um, all of those things. The Telluride Fire Protection District, SMPA, and Pano AI plan to have the first cameras in place by early summer just in time for fire season. For the past couple years, Democrats ran the show in Washington, D.C., holding the White House and both chambers of Congress, albeit by a slim margin. But the balance of power has shifted following the 2022 midterms as Republicans secured a majority in the House. Colorado's U.S. Senator John Hickenlooper, a Democrat, was not up for re-election and won't have to run again until 2026. But still, Hickenlooper says the recent shift in Washington will affect his and his party's work. So everything's going to have to be bipartisan, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, if you look at almost everything we did in the last Congress, you know, the Congress, a Congress is two years. And, you know, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, the Chips Plus Science Act. I mean, these were bi big bipartisan bills that were very important. Settling into the first months of the new Congress, Hickenlooper spoke with KOTO about his current projects. With power in Congress split, Hickenlooper says efforts might be less sweeping than legislation passed in 2020 and 2021. But really small projects. I think the, the Dolores River NCA, the National Conservation Area, that's a classic example. I think we can probably get bipartisan support for that. Anyway, I think th those are the kinds of things that we can really begin to make some uh, some progress on, as well as implementing the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, all these places that, to a large extent, are going to deliver resources, money, to counties and municipalities and to states all over America. Even those modest efforts could have a direct impact here in southwest Colorado, such as a proposed bill to conserve the Dolores River. And when it comes to capturing those funds from the past legislation which Hickenlooper speaks of, 
the task will fall on area county governments. But Hickenlooper says they won't be working alone. Governor Polis is right on top of this and is actually going to hire a couple staff to help smaller communities be able to access these large amounts of money. And I know our office and Michael Bennett's office are also going to try and train our outreach staff to help uh, find exactly what are, those, what are the best ways to access some of these, these pools of resources. While Hickenlooper himself did not face re-election, many of his colleagues in the Senate did, and some decided to retire. Adjusting to the new session, he notes many of the colleagues he is missing were actually folks from across the aisle. It was great to have those kind of older, more experienced Republicans, but a lot of them couldn't stand Donald Trump. And when the Republican Party kind of divided over President Trump, they left. You know, after January 6th, they said, we're not, we don't, we won't support Trump. And therefore, we think we think we can't win a primary. And, and it's a loss. They were really talented people who really did care about, you know, not just the Republican Party, but the whole country, their states and the whole country. When it comes to looking ahead, Hickenlooper can't help but dream of Congress's summer recess when legislators take a break from Washington to meet their constituents back home. The senator notes this is one of the greatest parts of his job, especially when it brings him to Colorado's southwest corner. You know, that's what that's when I drive around Western Colorado, I'm doing constituent services. It's part of my job to get to those communities. And I mean, again, as you know, spring and summer in Southwest Colorado is one of the most beautiful times of year in one of the most beautiful parts of our country that you could ever have. So I'm I'm really looking forward. We're going to do town hall meetings and try and get out and meet more people. Those interested in meeting or discussing their views with the senator can keep up to date at hickenlooper.com. On a blustery Tuesday, several dozen members of the community march with signs down the street. They're part of a day of protest against big banks, primarily Bank of America, Chase, Citibank, and Wells Fargo, that fund fossil fuel companies. Third Act, an organization encouraging individuals over 60 to take on climate action and justice, spearheaded the day with protests taking place across the country. In Telluride, David Holbrook is helping to lead the charge. We have this brand new Chase Bank here and it just doesn't feel right. We have wonderful banks already that are locally run and have this behemoth come here and come and keep on poisoning the planet. It just doesn't seem right. According to the most recent Banking on Climate Chaos Fossil Fuel Finance Report, between 2016 and 2021, Chase Bank financed fossil fuels globally to the tune of $382 billion. Holbrook says it's past time to act. I have no bleeped out patience for people who are going to not look at what's happening to us. And, and so, yeah, we can go into the statistics and we can go, but it's just all there. And, 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 and it's so sad that people are working against this. It's hard enough to fix it as it is, and the notion that somehow people think it's right to actively screw up the planet with these fossil fuel emissions when we have better options? Come on. Starting at the San Miguel County Courthouse, Elizabeth Gick, another organizer with the march, shares a few words. important. If we disrupt the flow of money to the fossil fuel industry, they have to stop. Here, Beverly has the number that Chase alone gave to the, lent to the fossil fuel industry $382 
rebellion between 2016 and 221. Just imagine if that money went to renewables. What a wonderful world it would be. Then protesters walk the one block to the Chase Bank, about to open. Emily Catron is one of the members at the protest. She says even with a small group, it feels good to be part of a larger movement. When you're small, sometimes you're not a force to reckon with. But when you have a lot of small um, groups all doing the same thing, then it starts to become bigger and bigger. You get one voice, and then it turns into a community, and then it turns into bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually makes a very big difference. The Chase Bank in Telluride is set to open its doors on April 4th. Protesters are already making plans to be there when it does. The sound of larks, songbirds, singing is a welcome harbinger of the coming spring. This Sunday, Telluride welcomes a lark of a different sort. That's Tessa Lark, herself a musician and a Grammy award-winning violinist and composer. Lark comes from the rich, fiddling tradition of Southern Appalachia and has performed at Carnegie Hall, London's Wigmore, and worked with major orchestras across the U.S. This Sunday, Telluride Chamber Music is bringing her back to Telluride to grace the stage at the Palm Theater for an evening of bluegrass-inspired classical. The show is at 6 p.m. on March 26th, and tickets are available at telluridepalm.com. The snow may be deceiving, but before too long, Telluride will be bustling with the 45th Annual Mountain Film Festival. This week, Mountain Film announced its Mind Moving Mountains speaker series, seven panel discussions with thought leaders, journalists, activists, adventurers, and visionaries. The series will kick off with this year's guest director, Bill McKibben, and his wife and New Yorker journalist, Sue Halpern. They will discuss the climate crisis and the future of artificial intelligence. Panels will also feature Tia Leto, a water rights activist and TikTok sensation, ProPublica journalist Abraham Lustgarden, and Southern Ute Indian Tribe Council member Lorelai Cloud. Community organizer Juan Di Martinez Panita will lead a conversation on bringing equity into the outdoors, and Timmy O'Neill will emcee a tribute to the life of her daughter, Hillary Nelson. Nalani Nedkarni, Tierney Ties, and Carol Dunham will discuss disturbance and how it relates to ecosystems, cultures, and our bodies. Wrapping up the weekend, longtime Mountain Film supporters Cheryl Strayed and Tom Shattuck will ask, what now, as they discuss how to bring the takeaways from Mountain Film into the real world. The 45th Annual Mountain Film Festival will take place in Telluride, May 25th to 29th, 2023. Avi Kwa Ame, meaning highest mountain in the Mojave language, stands broad and rugged above the desert plains in the southernmost tip of Nevada. Known also as Spirit Mountain, the roughly 5,600-foot peak is the highest point in the surrounding region and is a spiritual center for the Yuman-speaking tribes who make their historic home in Arizona and Nevada. This week, President Biden created the Avikwa Ame National Monument, which conserves both the peak and over 500,000 acres of surrounding Mojave Desert. Efforts to preserve the area have been ongoing for years, 
and Biden's declaration this week follows similar actions, including his restoration of the Bears Ears National Monument in 2021 and his creation of the Camp Hale Continental Divide National Monument here in Colorado just last fall. The new conserved area provides habitat for golden eagles, Joshua trees, and desert tortoise, amongst other species. Latinos from across Colorado were at the state capitol on Monday for Latino Advocacy Day. KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports they met with lawmakers to push for several legislative priorities. Hundreds of Latino Coloradans joined members of the legislature's Latino caucus for a rally on the Capitol steps. Representative Elizabeth Velasco told the crowd that Latino communities are a driving force in Colorado. We are the essential workers. We are the people that make our communities run. We are the ones that are working to make our economy better here in Colorado. Latino lawmakers and advocates are prioritizing bills that address reproductive health care, housing affordability, public safety, and the environment. That includes a measure that would protect access to abortions and gender-affirming care, and one that would outlaw deceptive advertising from so-called crisis pregnancy centers. It also includes efforts to allow for local rent control, bilingual emergency alerts, and air and water protections. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. Most Colorado school districts will be offering free school meals to all students beginning in August. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Cassie Neust reports on how the program is rolling out in Montrose County, where over half of voters disapproved of the initiative in last November's election. It's still a little bit of a fluid situation right now. That was Preston Weaver, Montrose County School District's Nutrition General Manager. I recently sat down with Preston to discuss the school district's plan for rolling out the new state-funded Universal Meals program. They're learning from the USDA as they come down, figuring out ways to ensure that the rollout of this new program goes off without a hitch. This new program, known as the Healthy Meals for All program, was voted in by over 57% of Coloradans last fall and is on pace to roll out over the next two school years. While advocates say this will feed hungry students and remove stigmas surrounding participation in free school meals, opponents argue that it's not the state's job to feed students whose families can afford the meals. They also say that feeding kids is the responsibility of parents and caregivers. Although the proposition easily passed statewide, much of Colorado's rural and conservative-leaning counties voted against the program. Over half of Delta and Montrose counties respectively opposed the initiative. I think one of the, the caveats is the level of taxes that are going to be used to fund the Healthy School Meals for All is, you know, you have to have a threshold of $300,000 or more for an individual or $450,000 for uh, family taxpayers. I'm not saying that People in the community don't make that, but it is probably going to be a smaller pool of Montrose residents that are impacting that and entering those funds. That was the biggest caveat. Obviously, you see taxes automatically going to be giant red flags. But if you read through the verbiage, and the verbiage wasn't super clear either, I can at least attest to that because I had to read through it a couple of times to make sure I was understanding it as well. But I think that was probably the biggest hiccup for it swinging either way. Program funding helps eligible districts pay for things like food, kitchen equipment, and labor. It also provides optional funding to purchase local food from Colorado farmers and ranchers. But in order to opt into the state universal free meals program, districts must maximize the amount of federal meal dollars they receive by applying to a program known as the Community Eligibility Provision. State schools that don't qualify for the federal program can still utilize the new state program. 
However, families, such as those in Montrose County, will still need to fill out applications for subsidized meals. The easiest way for me to explain how this is going to work is that we'll use 100 kids as an example. If you have 25 kids that are free, 25 kids that are reduced, and 50 kids that are paid, we'll still get reimbursements from the federal government. And that's going to be the biggest thing that we're looking for is we're trying to maximize the federal reimbursement as opposed to going through the state. That's why the free and reduced applications have been pushed. They'll still be pushed. They're still, you know, they still need to be filled out. And so we'll maximize the amount of federal return. Reporting for the Rocky Mountain Community Radio and KVNF, I'm Cassie Knust. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a chance of snow showers tonight with a low near 10 degrees. Winds could reach 45 miles per hour. Thursday calls for snow mainly in the afternoon with some breaks of sun and a high near 35 degrees. Thursday night should be mostly cloudy with a low in the low teens. Friday calls for snow showers with a high near 30 and a chance of snow showers continue into Friday night when the forecast low is near 5 degrees. This has been the news for Wednesday, March 22nd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who donated to Kodo during our winter fundraising drive. A huge thank you to Amy Allison, Roberta and Patrick Brown, Christina Koshzow, Sally Jordan, Jess Lyle, Dave Putnam, Ken Wimberly, Lou Mintz, John Hunt, Brad Jensen, Susan Davis, Mike Silver, Andrew Weinstock, Tom and Robin Watkinson, Coors Wright, Mary Samma Brown, Tucker Magid, John Hurt, Melissa Kowalik, Nikki Sumala, Charles Williams, Joe Schmidbauer, Bill Jensen, Bill Taylor, Ray Tukoski, Telluride Ski Patrol, Wendy Vasos, Annie and Eddie Stevens, and Janelle Tucker. Thank you all so much. And now, personal commentaries. Hello, this is Mary Beth Clementi, host of Travel Fun, my talk show on Kodo. I've been off the air for a bit, but my new time slot is now Thursdays, just after the NPR News at Noon. To ease back into the groove, I'll be doing one 50-minute show a month. My two families in Telluride are KOTO and Telluride Ski and Snowboard School. I've been involved with both for almost two decades. In honor of the 50-year anniversary of the Telluride Ski Resort, I am bringing you a special show entitled Telluride Ski School, Then and Now, which airs Thursday, March 23rd at 12.10 p.m. Veteran ski instructor and former Telluride Ski School director, Ani Vahai Savat, and Noah Sheedy, our current director, are the featured guests. And to do my part in Kodo's fundraising, 
I have rounded up some fabulous premiums, which include a two-night stay in a one-bedroom condo at Mountain Lodge, valued at $1,700, a full-day private ski lesson at Telluride Ski Resort, valued at $1,075, a $200 gift certificate to be used at either La Piazza, La Pizzeria, or Rustico. A $100 gift certificate to Communion, Mountain Village, the newest wine bar in Mountain Village. A $100 gift certificate to the Toggery. Do some shopping there. A $100 gift certificate to the Village Market in Mountain Village. A $50 gift certificate to Clark's Market in Norwood. A $35 gift certificate to Dark Sky Pizza, a great pizza place, also in Norwood. And I'll throw in two of my comped lift tickets to the Telluride Ski Resort. Each one is valued at $210. For as little as a $20 donation, you can be entered into my travel fund drawing to win one of these fantastic premiums. Just go to koto.org, click on Donate, then Donate Now, and then select Travel Fund as your favorite program. Your chances of winning are great. So go there now to support community radio and possibly land a prize. Thank you so much to all of these local businesses for their gift certificate donations. Just fabulous. And thank you to all for donating to Kodo. Merci beaucoup. Hey, Kodo community, this is Elaine Demas and April Montgomery from the Telluride Foundation. We're here today to ask for your help. As you may know, the Telluride Foundation supports nonprofits in the region through our annual community grants program. That's right, Elaine. And in addition to community grants, we also run our own programs and initiatives. Yes, initiatives like the Telluride Venture Network, supporting entrepreneurs and helping to diversify our economy. Or local food, supporting regional farmers and ranchers and helping to keep healthy food on the tables of all families in the region. Or our community housing initiative, which is helping to address our regional housing challenges. And there's so much more. Bottom line is everything the foundation gets involved in is striving to improve the quality of life of the residents of the region. So how can you help? We're conducting a community survey and we want to hear from you. The last survey the foundation conducted was in 2018. And given everything we have all been through over the past few years, we felt it was important to reach back out to find out what the community feels is important. We want to know what your priorities are and how we can better serve your community. We want to hear from all the communities we serve. That is everyone working and living in San Miguel, Uray, and West Montrose counties, and Rico. The survey is short and simple, 
and will take you about five to ten minutes to complete. In fact, you can do it while you're in line while at Butcher and the Baker or Coffee Cowboy. Look for the QR codes on posters around town or visit the Foundation's website. That's TellurideFoundation.org, and you'll see the survey link on our homepage. Thanks so much, everyone. And thanks, Koto. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.